0: Welcome into the non-negotiable podcast. I'm Gavin, and I'm joined by Pascal. How are you going, Pas?
1: What's up, Gav?
0: And Justin, Justin, how's it going, mate? Uh, good, mate. Good, good, good. Before we get in the match, let's have a go at our second ever. Who am I? And uh, I was just telling Justin off air, It's a tough one night. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna get you both. And it's a little bit of a little bit of a cheat because they never played a. Premier League game for Arsenal. But they are associated Mm. with Arsenal. So when you find out these, you are going to go, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to get you. Okay, so here we are. Who am I? I started my career at Arsenal, but never played a league game for the first team. I had loan spells at Huddersfield, Reading, Bolton, Millwall, Sheffield Wednesday and MK Dons before moving permanently to Wolves. I then went to Bournemouth where I played 63 league games before returning to Wolves, then moving on to Stoke City, Bristol City, Trabzon Sport, Millwall, and finishing my career with one game for Hatter in the UAE. Who am I? Anyone jumping out at anybody? No. He All never right.
1: played a Premier League game for he Arsenal, He never played a right? Premier League
0: game for Arsenal. Did, he, gonna, did he play a cup game? You, I, I believe he played League Cup games. You're going to know him as an Arsenal player, for sure. Um, I, I'm telling you now, the two that you got to focus on are Wolves and Bournemouth. That's where you're going to get him from. You're not going to get him from any any of the others because, quite frankly, I didn't even know he played for every, all them other teams. But the Wolves, <laughs> Bournemouth bit is the one
1: where you're going to get him. I might, I might have an idea. Right, might well, we'll, have an idea. We'll was see, it? Who, was he, Can I just ask you one question? He's a youth player, right? He was yeah. a youth player for Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, came I up. I think really I think I might have an idea. I yeah. might, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, it, okay. it's funny
0: because I've put this I put this question out to a few people during the day, just a few mates and stuff on uh, Insta. And uh, Imran Damona didn't get it. My brother didn't get it, but Bernie the Whammer got it. He uh, he he, he <laughs> needed a little bit of help because I had to tell him the position. But as soon as I told him the position, he got who it was. He, he's good at these quizzes anyway. But yeah,
1: so I, th- I think I think if it is who I'm thinking of. I actually saw him at Finsbury Park Station once, if it is who I'm thinking of. So, anyway, we'll, we'll, right. we'll see if I've got this we'll, right anyway.
0: Let's, let's see when we circle back to it. Okay. All right. So, Owen, oh, if you want to play along at home, um, I've posted the question on our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter account. So, um, feel free to go on there and, and answer. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we'll come back to the answer at the end. So, on to the game. Um, just it was a bitty start. We couldn't really get anything going. They were doing that thing where they always had free covers, free players covering the wide areas. They had the fullbacks, then they pushed the midfielders wide, and then McNeil and Iwobi were tucking back in as well. Um, we had some silly giveaways, and we really looked like we were struggling to get control, didn't we?
2: We did, yeah. I think I uh, I messaged you guys on uh, WhatsApp. the The passing was was pretty slick, and we were moving pretty fast. Um, but it always ended with pretty much a, you know, a a turnover, you know, after a series of, of, of pretty nice passing. Um, they were defensive and, and, and covering the, uh, you know, our, our wingers always kind of cripples us a little bit. And I think, uh, Trossard still trying to find his feet in that false nine center forward position, which, you know, uh, I think muddled things a little bit more because, you know, we don't have like a stationary guy up top there, um. But we did grow into it. That's that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I think I think Eddie and Eddie and Trossard, um Eddie and Trossard, Martin and Trossard, they, they struggled a little bit early on. They were doing the swapping position things, and I don't know if they just weren't quite getting the getting the timing right, but it definitely it definitely seemed to be getting a bit bitty and, and Jorginho had had I think his worst game for us so far. He was he was giving the ball away a lot. Um <clears throat> but Juds, what's up with Onana's face? It seems to be very, very sensitive.
2: I don't know. Some skin condition, maybe? You yeah, know, no, it no idea.
0: It's gust of wind and he's uh, on the floor grabbing <laughs> at his face. Yep. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> but, Paz, I mean, as sloppy as that opening 25 minutes, half an hour was, there was there was never really a threat from Everton, was there?
1: Not really. I mean they had that moment um when they hit us on the break and then shitface mopai uh straight screwed down it up completely. Frank, yeah. yeah. Um that was their only one. And thank God it was him because let's be honest, if there's anyone you want to see fuck up a chance, it's that Pratt. Um yeah. <laughs> so um that was their only one. That was just purely from us kind of dropping the ball um, I think in terms of concentration we were um, uh, we had that game uh, totally under I, as as I don't think any of us expected any different uh, in terms of the possession and how we move the ball around um, I mean I, I'll be honest with you they're a pretty awful team Everton I, I again it kind of brings back memories of last season, even though um, it was uh, Lampard who was their manager. But, you know, how we lost the way to them um, when they're such an awful side, uh, it just beggars belief, really. Um, and then when we play them at home, um, it's a totally different story. And you just wonder what on earth <laughs> went wrong for us to have lost a way to this horrible team. There's a reason why this is 100th victory over them. More than any other team I think that's ever achieved against an opponent in the Premier League. So um yeah. we 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 they they didn't show much at all. They they no. didn't show and uh, there were long balls and Pickford was already looking at ways to time waste after like fifteen minutes. It was just Sean Dice classic, really. Yeah, they
0: were just trying to break the game up and it it, it was always just about if or when we could find the we could find mm. a breakthrough and you know a couple of them sloppy giveaways were from um, Jorginho and from Zinchenko and it it came from mm. a good place because it came from trying to make something happen play through small gaps because they were funneling inside so much but when the goal came it was a fantastic run from Zinchenko all the way from left back across the field he exchanges passes with Ben White he slots that brilliant ball in for Saka and Saka takes that one touch to the right and then just rifles it into the roof of the net. So, Paz, give me some more uh, superlatives about Bukayo Saka.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked me because I'm like dying to speak about this man. That's um, why I came. Uh, yeah, that's was, why I came to yeah, you. I know. I I I think it's well. Firstly, the goal itself, Sincheko's pass is exceptional, um, and Saka again hit it with his right. And this is kind of an ex- uh, a prime example as to why he's fouled all the time because usually it's the shift to the left that everyone talks about. We saw that against United, where he shifts it, hits it with his left foot, but this one was with his right, um, and it was just whacked into the goal. Um, and that That's exactly why he is so, so tricky to play against because most defenders might think he's going to shift it. He didn't. He smacked it. Right foot, goal. Um, I just love him. I just think he's... I, I, I think most... I, I don't think there's an Arsenal fan that does not love him, but I find it baffling how the talk about him is so little compared to other players in the Premier League. Even Arsenal players. Like if I hear it with pundits, oh, they're missing party or they're missing Zinchenko. Yet this is a player that's played, I don't know, 60 plus games non-stop for Arsenal, hardly ever subbed. And um we're talking about a player that played in Emery's time. Um, carried on into Arteta's time and is so important that, that he would not be subbed when he's limping. Um, for me, he is just as fundamentally important to this team as those players because he is so consistently good. Um, you know, I, I you know, Gavin, um, obviously, uh, 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 Justin would probably remember, obviously, Perez, but you'll go back as, as, as far back as Roecastle. I've never really been as excited about a young player from our academy since Roecastle or loved the player from our academy since Roecastle, especially at number seven. So I just, I, I run out of things to say about him because he's, I just find him such a endearing character, but also wonderful to watch. And he's just an Arsenal player. He's, he's a real Arsenal player.
0: And this season it's, I was thinking about this um, just before we came on this season we opened, and I think up until October, we were all saying, Granite Xhaka, Arsenal Player of the Year, fantastic. Mm. Then the next month and the month after we come back from the World Cup, it was Martin Odegaard, sensational, mm. unbelievable. Then for a month after that, it was, my God, Gabriel, does he even put a foot wrong? He's been fantastic. And I think what you're starting to see now is this is Saka's team, but Saka's been great throughout the season. There's been no dips. Everyone else has has had a little a little dip, even if it was just for a couple of games. Saka really hasn't had that hasn't had that dip at all. Juz, is the reason that he gets. I'm not going to say overlooked, but is the reason he maybe doesn't get quite the praise that other players get because he doesn't dip in form and he doesn't miss games. Like Paz said, that you know they talk about you miss party, you miss Jesus, you don't miss Saka because he's never not there.
2: Yeah, I think that could be a consideration. Um, You know, we don't really even know what this Arsenal team is like without him, you know, kind of like the old adage, you know, you you don't know what you had until it's gone sort of situation. Um, But I do find him, you know, pretty criminally underrated. I feel like, you know, Mount got more attention, Mason Mount got more attention in Lampard's first uh stint there at Chelsea you know than Saka's getting now and I just find it kind of crazy even going back to the World Cup he was one of England's best players consistently once he got in that starting lineup and it is really weird that I mean you know as an Arsenal fan I mean I guess it's it's um it's nice that he still is a little uh maybe a little underrated but then you know you see the way teams set up against us and he's always doubled or tripled up on so I mean I think he gets the respect of 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 other players and coaching staff, but it does seem like the fan bases are are still quite a bit behind on this.
1: Well, the kids um, are amazing,
2: you know. I'm telling you, I right mean, it's now,
1: 50, 50 goals and assists, right, Gav? Uh, and just uh, six youngest player to get to fifty goals and assists. At Twenty-one in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm telling you right now, he is England's best player by a mile, and he's a top yeah. five player in the world in his position top five is world-class. No question about it. He is an absolutely yeah. world-class player. There's there's mm. no question at all about it. So moving on from that, we're going to come to his assist now, which was uh, a <laughs> bit of a strange goal to say the lead. <laughs> so four minutes after we take the lead. And I think, you know, at that point, I don't know about you guys, but I was already thinking this game's done at one new, I just didn't ever see this game going any other way. Um but there's a little mix-up in midfield and I think Erdegaard was fouled and didn't get the free kick. And the ball runs through to Idrissa Gay, And for some reason, he just hangs on to the ball. He, he just he doesn't seem to know what he's doing. And this is a complete difference from how they played against us at Everton because I'm telling you now, up there at Goodison, that ball would have been back to Pickford and bashed up to Calvert-Lewin. There would have been no mm. looking around, am I going to pass it or, or any of that. But he, he waited and he he hung back and he got caught by Saka. Goes through it Martinelli. And it's a lovely little finish from Martinelli. Um, and I just, the flag went up and I just assumed it was offside. And all of a sudden we saw that first replay and I'm like, oh, hold on. Did Saka even touch it or did Gay touch it? And then mm-hmm. I saw another replay and I'm like, actually, he's onside. So for once, VARs actually got it right. That's a bit of a shocker, just isn't it?
1: They drew <laughs> the lines.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was completely stunned that they that they they drew the lines and got it right. But <laughs> but just that's that was game over at that point, right? And I mean, it, you know, it, it's not a great goal as such, but it is a good goal in terms of once again, it's us pressing and pouncing
2: on opponents' hesitation. Yeah, it, it was game over. Uh, I think without a doubt. You know, they they may have had a, a chance to get, you know, a a a cheeky set piece or something like that to get a goal, but there was no way they were ever scoring two. And yeah, you gotta love the uh, you know, just the the hustle on 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 pressing the defenders. I feel like we score a lot of goals that way. You know, between Eddie, Martinelli, Saka, and Odegaard, we just have like a front four that presses like like mad and 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 forces a lot of mistakes and turnovers like that. So, you know, it's it's always great to see it.
0: Yeah, and it's it's one of them things that we didn't get a chance to do in the away game or the game against Brentford because we talked about it at the time. Neither of them teams were just interested in having the ball. They just they just weren't. They'd get it and just lump it forward, and then if they got a flick on and got on the end of it, great. If they didn't, they just got straight back into shape again. And this time they this time they got caught. He dwelled on the ball and and he was in there. And I said I was shocked when they overturned the goal. I I, I really was. We're so used to VARs going against us. I think when it goes I think
1: forward. Gav, I think what happened is is he forgot that they were losing. So he, he was he was thinking of time wasting at that point, but then <laughs> he realized the score line. He, he was so set so, in the mode. Yeah, that was
0: that's, it. That's what I said to you <laughs> boys at half time. It's it's funny how nana's face problems cleared up after <laughs> half time, wasn't it? <laughs> It was it's like uh,
1: clear a soul. Yeah, took, was,
0: took care of it all. Yeah, it? All, all this. It must have put some Vaseline on it or something because all, all of yeah. us, everything didn't hurt. Well, so we go into the break two up, and it was. I mean, we were relaxed and and chilled at that point. I mean, we knew what was coming, and we come out in the second half, and we just started to dominate the ball, knock it around, and it was. If the third goal comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That that second half was exactly how you want to see a game out pass, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was again one of these moments where we're getting accustomed to this team having, you know, not not having the jitters uh in moments like that. I mean you really would have to be the most pessimistic of Arsenal fans to even think that Everton could come back in that game. Um but I think party coming on for Jorginho. Funnily enough, we were two 0 up, but I think it made a difference in terms of us the speed of our play. You know what? Basically, the things that we've talking about that party brings that maybe Jorginho lacks um, is the speed of our play, the 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 way he was you know the defensive aspects of it, uh, the transition of the ball. I think that played a big part um, in in how we controlled that second half. It just was, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, an absolute formality the minute he stepped on the field and um, we took control of it. Um, yeah. So I, 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 it was just one of those, where we just had to see it out and score more goals.
0: Yeah. And I think that first half was the first time in the last couple of games, really, that we saw what we were missing with Partey. Mm. I think when he yeah. came on, he yeah, yeah, we, I really, you know, we, we, we dominated that first half without really doing anything in it and we were really struggling and and it's just the way he moves away from players and the way he finds the right pass not just finds a pass he finds the right pass to get you going yeah we we did miss that in the first half and I think it's great to have it's great to have quality backup that can come in and do a job for a couple of games what you don't want is to have to rely on them backups for too long so I think it was great
1: He's a bit like, he's a bit, I wouldn't say he's the same type of player as El Nenny, but there's kind of that thought process that El Nenny has, that you can have him for a couple of games, three games maybe, but then that's the limit. You then need party in, And I feel that's what's like Jorginho's, like you can have him for this odd game or two games or whatever, let party rest, but then after a while, you really need pie back in there to, to make the difference.
0: It's nice being able to make that half-time sub, though because it means that you can kind of wrap Partey in cotton wool if you want. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised on Saturday if we rolled out the same team again and, and left Jorginho out there yeah. and did the halftime swap again, you know, because there's, you can do that or start with... I mean, you can start with Partey and go the other way. I just think in a game against Bournemouth, it's more likely that you're not going to be hanging on and wanting to slow the game down. So you're probably going to want to be there, get the... uh get the game under control. And then if you need Partey, you can come on half time, you know, that's kind of how, how I'd see that. But it was, yeah, it was complete domination. Really. We were moving the ball around quite nicely. And I thought Trossard and Martinelli started getting there, getting their rhythm a little bit in that second half. I thought they, they'd started to move a little bit better. And again, it wasn't Trossard's best game, um, but he was up against two big brutes of centre-halves and we, you know, we were we were having so much possession and moving it square so much that I don't think he was able to make them darting runs. But eventually he did get to make one. Just seventy-one minutes. He wriggles around in the box a little bit, gets it back to the captain, and uh Odegaard finished a little bit unconvincing, but um any might Odegaard finish is good for me.
2: Yeah, uh great great to goal by uh Trossard there. And yeah, I agree. He was a uh, um struggling a little bit, but I think he still had a you know, a, a solid game and and, you know it's it's so great seeing uh pretty much all our attacking players having goal contributions in this game. And um I think that's one of the uh, uh the the stronger things about our season is how spread around our goals are. You know, we're not uh reliant on one player like we were on like Obama Yang or anyone like that. Uh you know, all our all our attacking players are all sitting at what, like seven to 10 goals now. I think Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka, and, and Kedia. And uh, I think that's, that's a huge advantage to us right now.
0: Yeah, and I think we knew it was going to have to be that because when we signed Gabriel Jesus, we all knew that he wasn't going to score 25 goals. That's just not yep. the kind of player he is. But what he was going to do was help everyone else. So I've been saying to you guys for a couple of years that I see Bukayo Saka as basically... Being Mohamed Salah, I, I see a thirty-goal mm. season in in yeah. I really do. Yeah. Is that is that eleven? Is that goal eleven tonight or twelve?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. If it's I don't or No, You got me on that one, actually. But
0: um, or was it ten? Was he nine goals, nine assists for tonight? Whatever it was. I mean, I see a thirty-goal season in the future. There, I actually thought he'd get more this season, but it's not over yet. So we'll we'll see how many he ends up with, but. We know that we've got that threat from wide and Martinelli on the other side is exactly the same and that's why Jesus was such a good fit and that's why, for me, he's a better fit than someone like Vlavic, who is a goal scorer because I don't think mm. that's what this team really needed. you know what I mean? It's why Trossard in the last couple of games maybe a little bit better than Eddie because Eddie's more, and more of just that goal scorer. Um, saying that, we're about to talk about an Eddie assist. But he, I was actually ready for Eddie to come on um, I was ready for him to come on at half-time for, for a couple of reasons, really. It wasn't because Trussard was terrible or anything like that. But I really feel like Eddie needs a goal. And I, I really wish he'd have got a goal tonight. But he got an assist and he he played his part Um, past that fourth goal. It was, again, it was a well-worked goal. And, and he did, Eddie did really well to turn it back to Martinelli.
1: He did. He did. And and that was Eddie moving in the channels as well. And, um. Uh, I, I I I like Eddie. I don't think any of us dislike him. I mean, there's just sometimes questions mark uh, question marks about about his overall quality in comparison to, let's say, Jesus and and maybe his finishing on certain aspects. But there's never any issue about his effort. Um, and he came on. He's actually a really good impact sub in a lot of cases. I've seen him come on a few times and cause problems. So, um. I think this was this was one of those where he uh, it was a perfect game to put him on. We were winning. Um, I think, you know, Everton opened up. Obviously, they couldn't time waste. They couldn't do anything to stifle the match because they were losing at that point. Um, So it was a perfect match to bring him on and give him a bit of confidence. Um, But, yeah, it was a great assist, great movement, um, lovely cutback and uh, perfect finish.
0: I think he did well when he come on, Eddie. I was really, uh, really impressed. Um, I think the only other thing to talk about is Saka actually getting two minutes off at the end, um, and uh, getting to see Smith
1: Rowe. back. Was it two minutes? Didn't he come off earlier than that? It, I it might have been a bit earlier. earlier.
0: I was being yeah. hyperbolic, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah. it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was nice to see ESR back though, Jazz, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. Oh, so first off Saka, he's 10 goals, nine assists right now. I looked it up. So, um, but yeah, I got to say just kind of big picture for a second. I mean, tonight was really the, the, uh, the perfect game for me. You know, we, we put four past him, kept a clean sheet, uh, had, had key players, you know, that that either didn't start or got to come off a little earlier uh, you know, I'm a big Smithrow fan, so it was great seeing him come back and and even get, you know, he, he got pretty involved. Um, you know, a lot of times you see late substitutes that, you know, don't even really touch the ball, but I mean, I, he had a few passes and, a uh, a, a good chance to score the ball got stuck in his feet a little bit, but you know, that could have easily been, uh, been five. So, uh, I'm ecstatic to have him back. And I think, uh, it's, you know, a good goal scorer coming off the bench is exactly what we need to, uh, you know, finish the season strong, I think.
0: And Kieran Tierney got
2: 10 minutes as well,
0: Jazzy. He, uh, he come on and played Zinchenko role. I looked up and all of a sudden, Kieran Tierney standing over halfway between the center circle and right wing. What do you think he was thinking at that point?
2: Yeah, I <laughs> I said something about this on WhatsApp too. So I, I, I like Tierney a lot, um, you know, and if, if we could... Uh, if we could uh, you know, keep him and, and make it work and keep him happy, you know, I'd be all for it. But he looked really, really lost out there today. I think uh I mean, I, I think a few times I looked up and he was just like standing about the center circle, you know? So not only would I dunno, it, it was just he definitely has some uh, some work to do to get that inverted fullback roll down, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean it was just a bit of fun at the end today, I think that last. 10 15 minutes it was just i think the third goal was on 71 minutes and not that the game wasn't already over but at that, once that third goal went in it, it was just a case of do we really want to push and and Everton started getting a little bit a little bit feisty i think at that point past did you mm. notice that there were a few little sly kicks going in and it was almost like let's just get through this
1: yeah yeah and uh, you know Godfrey, and uh, you know they these kind of Little, uh, little nicks that they tend to do, Tarkovsky or whatever his name is, you know, getting in yeah, there was went um, through
0: the back of someone as well.
1: Holgate, sorry, not Godfrey, Holgate, yeah. Oh, no, um, Godfrey right. did one um, as well
0: when he came on, both of them,
1: right? They <laughs> lost count, yeah. they're all crap. So, I, I just it was just one of the crap players that they have. Um, but, um, what I what I what I Found really interesting. What I was really happy with, that's why it was such a good day overall, was Arteta's substitutions. I think they were exactly what I think all of us were hoping he would eventually do with a full squad. So, you know, ESR coming on, Tierney coming on, because we know how important Zinchenko is. We already talked about Saka, we talked about Shaka um, in terms of his importance in previous podcasts. Um, you know, party, getting his 45 minutes. Um, I just think it was one of those perfect games. The only thing that would have made it absolutely perfect was like five goals to make it five star. But I thought overall it had, he did exactly the right thing in terms of managing that game, considering we have Bournemouth next and then we've got the uh, Europa League. Um, so um, yeah, it was, they they were doing their Everton thing, their dice. um uh, because they didn't have anything else, did they? That's all they can, you know, That all that that typical rhetoric we get of commitment and desire and all of that. That was all they had left, really, was just to show some of that because the rest was awful.
0: Yeah, it, it was. And so the subs bench tonight was Tommy Asu, Tierney, Holding, Kivior, Emil smith Fabio Vieira, Matt Turner, obviously, in goal, Partey, and Anketia that is by far the strongest bench we've probably ever had, right, Pass?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, uh, I think um, once we get Jesus back in, then uh, we'd have an extra one in there, which will make it even stronger. So um, I think it, it it really, that is a sign of, one, some of the business we did in the window with the setbacks we had, but it's also the management of the... ESRs of this world, the parties of the world that do are prone to injuries but also not rushing them back taking their time um, so now we're looking at it with the running that we have um, we're looking in good stead absolutely good stead in terms of a squad position and fitness wise and, uh, and everything else
0: We are and we spoke on Monday about how much we were all sick of this game in hand, it's two points of a game in yeah. hand it's this, it's that well, now it's done and the three points are on the board, four goals as well. It moves us on to plus 33 goal difference, which is which is great. I said last last week I didn't think we were going to be winning it on goal difference, but it's always nice to boost that goal difference a bit. Now that game in hand's gone, it's that five points, Just We were talking before we come on actually about the title odds. We were going into today, us and Man City were both even money um i don't think that is going to have moved a great deal because it's a game obviously we were expected to win but we'll probably move into 10 to 11 or something like that now it's definitely great
2: judging it to have that game out the way and the points on the board yeah definitely i think that was something that was always going to be you know hanging over our head like a you know a cavite, if you will um so yeah great and great to get the win even like you said if it was um you know more or less expected you know points on the board now and 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 that's that and i'm looking forward to um this weekend uh not only do we have bournemouth which you know should be a pretty winnable game for us but um i'll have an eye on the manchester city newcastle game as well because that's a pretty good opportunity for them to drop points i think
0: yeah hopefully they can um hopefully newcastle can do something there because they've not been on the on the greatest, the greatest of runs at the minute, Newcastle. They don't look that great, and I think losing that cup final might might really demoralise them a little bit. Past this, looking forward yeah. to uh, this point. weekend because I know you got a, I know you got a run out, so you won't be here for the second part. So looking forward to this weekend. What wash your feelings on Bournemouth and on the bigger picture with Manu Man City hosting Newcastle?
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, so uh, I think Bournemouth. I mean, we can only only be expecting a win on that one and a big one. You would think, right? Um. Just with the form that we're in, Bournemouth aren't really known for their overly defensive play. So I, I would think that uh, we can go into that game and 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 really take it to them. So I would only expect a win there. Uh. In terms of team lineup, I. I it's anyone's guess. I, I, I think party will start for that one. But he might, like you already mentioned, do half and half um between uh the two. Um I would think with that game with sporting in mind he's gonna do maybe similar to what he did with Everton, where he might put on a strong his strong lineup and then start changing it. Throughout the game, depending on where we're at, if we're winning it by a good amount. um Just interesting on the points, um we are third level, a, th- a joint with the fastest to reach 60 points with the 0304 team, the Invincibles, and the 0708 team, I believe. Mm-hmm. um So that's a pretty remarkable achievement. And big shout out to Aaron Ramsdale, 11 clean sheets. He's only wow. one behind uh, Pope, who's got 12. So that says a lot. And um, yeah, so. I think we'll be good. I think for the Man City game, let's just hope Newcastle park the absolute train there and push (laughs) for that zero, zero and uh, I'll be happy, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Just anything you want to add before we uh, end the first half?
2: I think we covered everything.
0: Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's end the first half there. Paz is going off to hunt Siberian Tigers. So, me and Jazz will be on our own for the for the second half of the pod. We'll be back after the break. Thank you very much. Right. See you. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiables podcast here for the second half. Me and Jaz here. Um, just for the break, I said Paz was hunting Siberian tigers. I want to assure everyone that he's not. Um, we're <laughs> all animal lovers. Paz has actually gone off to play football. So, it's just me and Juz, second half, but rest assured, no animals are being hurt in the production of this podcast. So, Jazz, in the break, you brought up something that you wanted to touch on that you kind of wanted to touch on in the first half, but didn't really get the right time for it. And uh, it's our tried and, uh, well, it's definitely been tested kickoff routine. So right.
2: the floor is yours, my friend. Well, you know, this, this is just, uh, you know, nitpicking. I mean, obviously the season is... Uh you know, going great. And, uh, I love the way the lads are playing for the most part. And, but I, I just, I don't really understand our kickoff routine. You know, it's players kickoff drops to, uh, you know, midfield, you know, usually Jaka or party who drops it back to Ramsdale most of the time, who hits it long into the right wing channel. And that happens every time, you know, start of the game, start of second half. And I, you know, anybody feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't remember it ever even turning into a chance. It almost always is just a, a, you know, a turnover. And uh, I don't understand why no matter what we persist with it, instead of just keeping the ball. What do you think about it? It's a strange kickoff that's been around for a long time.
0: So I'm trying to think of when I first saw it. And I think the first time I saw this kickoff was actually Graham Taylor, the old Watford, Aston Villa and England manager. Um, And he started with this from kickoff, just banging it up out of play. I mean, and there wasn't even an attempt to, it wasn't going back to the goalkeeper and it wasn't even, it wasn't anywhere near that, that sophisticated. It was, it was, those were the days where a kickoff had to go forward first. So you'd, then one striker would knock it to the other, they'd knock it back to the midfielder at the, at the top of the D and he would just clip it to the corners, rugby style, put it out for a throw. Hmm. And, that was the first time I saw it. And the first time we started doing it, it really surprised me because we're a team that values possession, right? We mm-hmm. play out from the back. We try and keep the ball. In that second half again tonight, you could see it. We, we, were, we were constantly moving the ball around. So from kickoff to turn yeah. it into a 50-50 when you've got the ball at your feet is a strange choice. I agree with you. I think the plan is obvious. It's to pen the opposition in. Saka is very good in the air for someone who's five foot. Um, He wins his fair share of headers. When he knocks them down over there, White is very close to him and Odegaard is very close to him. So I understand that. I understand why we put it out to the right-hand side. And the feeling is if Saka wins, it knocks down. We've got a good chance of getting one of them knockdowns. If it goes out of play, we do end up with a lot of throw-ons out of it. How valuable is a throw-on? I don't know, but yeah. we do end up with a, with a lot of throw ons out of it. So I agree with you that it's a bit weird that we that we do it, yeah. and it does frustrate me at times that we constantly do it. Because I mean, you would think everyone knows we do it, right? There's 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 two years of tape on this now. We've had the same kickoff for two years, right? So don't you think once maybe if Ramsdale faked it that way and then. <laughs> flicked it left to Xhaka <laughs> or someone in the left half space. Maybe that could work. I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're working on that. There was there's something else actually that I wanted to, wanted to bring up, and I'm, I'm this is all coming to me now. And this is what happens when you don't write things down because we just do everything off the cuff. But some of our set piece routines are getting really creative. Uh-huh. Did you see the one that was like a one-two played with a corner taker, and then Jorginho tried to get the left footer on it, and he he bent it just over the bar that was early on and uh he didn't get he was almost a challenge by the time instead of a shot but we've had some really creative corner routines especially the shorter ones working it to people on the edge of the box that's a consequence of the early ones not working i guess but do you like some of that stuff that we're doing
2: i do yeah i um i'm i'm usually not one that's been a, a big fan of short corners you know i mean i know it's necessary you know every now and then or if you're going up against a um you know a uh, uh, a team that's superior in height or whatever you know it it can be smart to get them out of the box but i'm traditionally not a huge fan of short corners but i like a lot of our routines and i think it works you know we we're, we're a very like technically skilled team that's able to you know knock it around one touch pretty fast and i think uh, it actually works for the arsenal you know because of how fast we can pull them out and get, get a ball into the box
0: Hundred oh. percent. I said a couple of weeks ago that if you can get the ball at Odegaard or Saka's feet and get them running at people in the box with an option like Zinchenko or Jorginho standing on the edge of the box, it's gotta be it's gotta be a good thing. And the other thing, we've seen these routines pop up over the last month when our corner routines had maybe become a little bit stout, but we'd also face some big teams. Mm-hmm. Brentford are a big side, Everton are a big side. So it's interesting that we've done it and I'm glad it felt under Arsene Wenger in particular that we did no work on set pieces. Yeah, I mean, I it wasn't even, uh, it, it, no one even thought about them. It. It, it got to the point where me and Moan and Imran actually, whenever we got a corner, we used to say, just smack it, just smack it back to Mad Jens. Yep. Just smack it all the way back and we'll start again. Because there ain't nothing coming from the corner. We were more dangerous from opposition corners than <laughs> yeah. corners. We were. Yeah. And it was, it was just, it was so frustrating that we never put any emphasis on set pieces when they're such a big part of the game. And you can see here, and obviously we've got a specialised set piece coach, but you can see we really do think about that. We really do think about these routines. And I think that shows you how detail-oriented Mikel Arteta is, whereas Arsene Wenger wasn't. Arsene Wenger was much more, I've got 11 players that are better than them, 11 players, so go out and beat them. Whereas yeah. Arteta is like, well, we're going to make sure we beat them. And this is how we're going to do it. And sometimes it can get a little bit stoic, a little bit stout when you're passing the ball and you, you keep looking for these lanes that just aren't opening up. But I do like that attention to detail. I think it was something we cried out for, for a long time. And I think it shows in our general play as well, when we don't have the ball, do you notice that the way we are off the ball so in shape these days?
2: Yeah. I mean, it really is impressive. And in, and- just to, I agree uh, with, you know, we can be a little stoic at times, like you said, but I got to say, I mean, you know, of course, I'm a little biased. I mean, I I love Mikel and, you know, I, I love Arsenal, obviously, but um, I think, you know, if you're comparing him to Pep, like so many people do. I do feel like Arteta allows a little more expression than than Pep does. Sometimes I watch City and it just feels very uh mechanical, like almost everything is planned, you know. And uh I think Arteta definitely, you know, gives the guys more freedom especially when we're attacking. I think we're the the more entertaining team again there's that bias, but the way we play is is very um uh it's it's kind of the best of both worlds, very structured and planned but also uh, allows for quite a bit of, um, you know, freedom and expression there too. And, and I don't know, I think it's a really good combination, a really good balance that we have built up.
0: Yeah, I see it that way too. I remember uh, years ago, three or four years ago, maybe, um, I was actually on a flight back to back to England and um, I watched the Barcelona documentary, Take the Ball Past the Ball. And something Thierry Henry said on that always stuck with me that when he got there, he was trying to be Thierry Henry. Pep didn't want him to be Thierry Henry. He said to him, "Okay, you're going to stand out on the left touchline and you're going to make this run. And Henry said, but what if the ball doesn't come to me? He said, then the next time you make the same run again. And he said, well, what if the ball doesn't come to me next time? Pep said, you make the same run again. Eventually the ball is going to get to you and it's kind of football by numbers that kind of started with Jose Mourinho in a different way, a lot more defensive and knowing your role on the pitch, but it's a similar thing. And I'm with you that I think our style of football is a little bit more creative and a little more interesting. And you have to give Arteta credit for that. He's definitely taken some stuff from Pep. That's hundred percent, but I do feel like he's maybe taken some stuff from not just Arsene Wenger, but also David Moyes with set piece stuff. So, and and that's what great managers do, right? They take bits from other managers and they bring it into they bring it into their own their own game. And I, I just I think he's doing a fantastic job, obviously. And I just wanted to, just wanted to bring that up that I thought it was something that I found interesting. That it just shows you again that detail oriented brain that he's got, which we all knew he had anyway. Right. Um, yeah. But it's just, you know, it's just it's just more more proof of that. So all right. Well, enough on the game. I mean, it was a fun game. We all had a we all had a good night and I probably rewatch it again at some point, but I think we've we've pretty much picked the bones off of it now. So let's look forward to the weekend. Bournemouth at home passed before he left us said that um he didn't really know what first what team Arteta was going to start with. And all I was thinking was while he was talking was I don't care what team he puts out. And it's a really, really weird thing for me to say as someone who's <laughs> always this is the thing. But I don't I'm fine with Eddie or Trossard. I'm fine with Tomiyasu or White. I'm even fine with Jorginho or Partey for this game. Don't quote me on that for the next game, but for this game, I'm I'm fine with that. I don't care what team he puts out. I'm confident in whichever team he, he puts out there to play. And that's kind of where I'm at, at the minute with it. How do you how do you feel on that?
2: No, I feel the exact same way. Um I've got a lot of confidence in our team and 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 even, you know. The guys on the bench, you know, the ones that uh, that that can come in and fill a role, like you mentioned, you know, Tomiasu, Trosar, Jorginho are probably the three big ones. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a really nice feeling and a really nice position to be in, to just, you know, have confidence that no matter who steps on the pitch, you know, we should be able to get it done, get three points.
0: Yeah, and I was speaking to my brother before the game
2: tonight, and he was
0: saying to me that he can't wait to see Kivior, and I agree, I can't wait to see him too, I'm I'm looking forward to next Thursday night because I want to try and get to see some of these players, I uh-huh. want to try and I want to see a bit more of Smith Rowe, I want to see Kivior getting a chance you know, and I think that's something that we haven't had for the longest time, we were we were going into these games like the one, um, and I'm skipping past Bournemouth real quick onto, onto sporting, which obviously we'll look at in more detail next week, but I'm just skipping past it because it's the first time I can remember where I'm under this for the last few years. Where I'm looking forward to these games to see these players and we're not just going, well, let's play the reserves and if we lose, we lose, throw it away. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. It's I think I think that's a testament to um how good the recruitment has been, not just with talented players, but players that um uh, fit in with the group so well, uh, that have uh you, you know strengths and weak or, well strengths that complement each other and in that you can uh kind of plug these other players into positions and they give you something um different but they're still at at a decent level um so yeah i'm I'm really excited to see uh key viewer as well um from everything you know i've heard and in the uh, the bit of uh, scouting I did on him around the time we signed him, I'm 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 really excited to uh see what he's gonna offer the team. And Gabriel probably needs a I think he's played every game. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean he just
0: doesn't get he just doesn't get a break because he's like Saka. He starts we well we yeah. haven't had a left sided center off and you know how much yeah. Arteta loves the right foot, left foot. And yeah. and we we haven't had one. So when he was spelled, I think <sighs> did Rob Holden play there in one of the Europa League games?
2: Yeah, I think thinking, you're
0: right. Um, think you're but right. other than that, he, he just he just doesn't get a break. And I think as much as I don't think players need that many breaks, it probably is time he, time he got one. But I'm just looking forward to And it obviously probably won't be Saka, I think, on Thursday night. <laughs> but who knows, maybe it will be. But I'm looking forward to seeing that that left-footed to right-wing ping do you know what I mean? Like that, That's <laughs> yeah. what we've heard about, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And one day we're going to see it with Saka, um, one way or another. And I'm really looking forward to that quick ping out, because there are a couple of times, and I love Gabriel, there are a couple of times with Gabriel where he gets his head up, he sees Saka, he sees that ping's on, and then he thinks twice. And he just goes to the left and knocks it to Zinchenko, or, or knocks it inside to Partey, or just in front to Xhaka, and the chance is gone at that yeah. point. So I, I am looking forward to seeing what what that brings. I'm you know I'm by no means saying let's get let's get Gabriel out the team and get Kivy, in. but I am looking forward to to seeing him play. So yeah. let's get back to Bournemouth at the weekend. So they let's let's call it what it is. They're they're relegation fodder. They're a team that we should be putting away quite comfortably. In fact, you could argue. I believe the goal difference between us and Man City is six at the minute. Yeah, is. We're plus thirty three and they're plus thirty nine. Yep. Um, you can argue that should be
2: considerably closer Saturday night. Yeah, you know, I, I was actually really surprised to uh, see how close we were in goal differential to Manchester City uh, tonight when they showed the the post Everton game table, because uh, I mean I didn't expect us to be getting you know like crushed or anything, but I I figured the gap was bigger than um than six goals, so. I'm uh, I'm thinking we could definitely close that gap. I mean, even if they beat Newcastle, Newcastle's had a, a very staunch defense uh, all season. I don't think they're going to be putting them to the sword or anything. And we've got a good shot to score three, four, five goals against Bournemouth.
0: Yeah, and Bournemouth have got the worst goal difference in the league on minus 26. And Newcastle have got the third best on, I believe they're on 20. God, yeah, twenty. So we're on City thirty nine. We're thirty three, and then come Newcastle one twenty. So it, it definitely is a chance to to close that gap a little bit again. I I don't think it's it is a tight season, but I don't think it's going to come down to that. It's it's rarely it comes down to that. Do you know? what I mean, that's why we always remember when it does because it's 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 so rarely it comes down to that. But it's always nice to have that that gap closed. And Bournemouth are not in good form. They they're going to go down. There's no two ways about it. They're not going to be here. So this is the sort of side that we need to be, we need to be putting away. So the weekend as a whole, we've, we now need 11 wins on my fabled whiteboard with a big W's on it. So we need 11 more of them now. Hopefully that's going to be at the worst 10 after the weekend. Jazz, how are you seeing this weekend as pivotal? I'm actually seeing, I don't, See Newcastle getting anything there? I have to be honest with you, so I don't see it as being a particularly pivotal weekend. I think it's going to be one of them weekends where we both take three points and we move on, which again is good enough for me because we're ticking another weekend off. But how do you see it? Do you think this could be a weekend where we see a bit of a shift?
2: Uh, you know, I mean, with City, it's I pretty much almost always expect them to uh, to get the three points unless it's uh you know Tottenham. Unfortunately, that's
0: that's fair. Yeah. That that is a fair, that is a fair comment. You, you do always expect them to win.
2: Yeah. And uh, so, you know, but I I do think Newcastle's got a better chance than most at at keeping them scoreless or keeping the, uh, keeping them from scoring more than a a couple. Um, I do wonder what their morale is going to be like after going out in the, uh, the league cup final. And I guess I wasn't able to watch that game, but I heard they were, they were a little bit of a mess at the back um i, I spend- didn't
0: watch it i've got to be honest i couldn't think of anything worse than seeing geordie arabia and man united <laughs> in, a, in a cup final i just there was no winner there no winner yeah. there for me
2: yeah well i i heard they were they were a little bit of a mess at the back especially in the first half um so uh you know hopefully they're not you know demoralized too much and they can they can do us a little favor but but yeah i i agree i mean you know, it'll probably be three points for City. We just got to hope it's three points for us as well and we keep this five-point gap.
0: Yeah, the only thing with Newcastle is that, you know, they are still trying to cling on to that fourth place. They've got Spurs breathing down their neck. Liverpool won again tonight. So, Liverpool are going to be right in the hunt. Hopefully, Liverpool win on on Sunday as well. It'd be nice to see them beat United. Um but you know, maybe there's there's going to be something to play for, and we know that Nick Pope is an expert at taking the ball out of play, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Hopefully, the ball will be in play for about 22 minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah, that should play to their advantage.
0: So the you know, I don't know. I'm hopeful that we I'm hopeful that we can uh, we can extend the lead, but I'm I'm. Not expecting it. I fully expect it to be uh, ten W's on my whiteboard and, and not nine by the end of the night. But but who knows? You you never know if you're uh you never know if you're gonna get lucky or not. Was there um what else should we cover?
2: Well, I just kinda wanted to say, you know, again, just touching on it again, you know, tonight really was the perfect game because we got some uh, players that were uh, coming back from injury. They got a chance to to uh, shake some rust off tonight, even if they only got about 10 minutes or so. I'm thinking Smith-Rowe. And... But, um, you know, going into this next run of uh, four or five games, well, uh, you know, up to uh, uh, Liverpool, right?
0: Yeah, Liverpool is – well, we've got the international break after Crystal Palace, and then we've got – is it Leeds at home then and then the Liverpool game?
2: uh yep you're right so we've got uh just premier league not counting europa so we have bournemouth uh at home fulham away crystal palace at yep. home leeds at home so i think you know the the timing's just perfect for some of these guys to uh to be coming back from injury and i think you know being able to get some serious minutes in their legs uh you know for this next run of games that's all winnable um you know it ideally
0: well, talking of that, too, Gabriel Jesus was there tonight um, on the bench, not in a playing capacity, but but watching. Yep. And we're probably not too far away. I think we said a few weeks ago that we were kind of expecting him to maybe play some part against Crystal Palace. It seems like that could be the target, although Arsenal have been very, very careful not to give him a target, I've noticed. But I think that that probably looks like the target, doesn't it, that Palace game?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, that makes the most sense to me. uh. Um... Let's see. Yeah, I would say so. If not, and then we've got her, hope
0: right? that the. uh Well, and then we've got hope Brazil don't call him up because it's going to be international week after that.
2: Surely they won't. But yeah, I know it's. <laughs> I, I
0: always think that, and they always call him up anyway, even if it's even if it's a damn friendly. And I don't know what's going on in the next international break. I don't know if it's Copper America qualifiers. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's World Cup qualifiers. I I have no clue what's going on in the next World Cup break because uh, the next international break because I really don't care. Um, but I I've got to be honest with you. I expect Brazil to call him up. I, I really do. I'm hoping they don't. We need to pull our best uh, Fergie with Ryan Giggs here, where he locks away his passport or wherever it says you can't travel, son. You've got an injury. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I, I really hope they don't call him up, but that's going to be such a shot in the arm to see Jesus back because as good as Eddie's done and as impressive as Trossard's been, there's no, there's no substitute for the real thing,
2: right? Yeah. You know, it, it's crazy thinking about to the, uh, the early part of, of uh, this season, you know, Jesus was the guy, he was the one that kind of uh, transformed us into, you know, potential title challenger. And uh, the fact that we've been without him for so long now and still doing so good, you know, just imagining him coming back into the side when we're flying like we are is is just going to be, I mean, you know, like you said, shot in the arm. I mean, City's basically got their team that they've been playing with, you know, all season without really any major injuries, uh, you know, off the top of my head. And, uh, you know, we're still leading them by five points. So, you know, now imagine adding our, you know, one of our best players coming back in a position that we're shallow in. And I mean, it's just going to be absolutely massive. It is.
0: And when when we broke for the World Cup, we were five points clear of Manchester City. We are still five points clear of Manchester City. We are 11 games further on. The World Cup break was after 14 games. We come back to 11. That's almost half the season we've played without Jesus. In fact, by the time he comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if it is half the season. And to still be here is pretty amazing, really. I mean, I think everybody thought that we'd fall apart, including us, um, when Jesus went down, didn't we? I mean, we all feared the worst.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. I was was really concerned. I think... um... I was really happy where where the team was and and how far the lads got us, but you know I wasn't expecting you know anything more than a than a top four challenge you know in the long run and uh, and I consider myself to be pretty optimistic, but you know with Jesus going down after as good as he was in the beginning part of the season, I just kind of uh, fear, feared the worst to be honest.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't think it was unrealistic to to fear the worst. I think everybody feared the worst because of how important he was. You know, I was talking about who was the player of the season and now we, you know, we'd, we'd veered on, on, is it Xhaka? Is it Odegaard? Now it's Saka, And I think it is Saka. but there was no doubt before the world cup break that the signing of the season throughout the whole of the premier league was Gabriel Jesus.
2: Yeah, that is probably true. I mean, just from, just from impact alone, especially considering we ended up doing as good as we did, you know, title challengers, uh, it's pretty hard to argue and I mean that fee is just looking you know well he's been out for a while now but I mean the 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 fee we paid for him just looks really brilliant um I'm really expecting a a a huge pickup in in form when when he comes back yeah and it's it's going to be exactly the right time too because we're
0: about to start getting into that really meaty bit of the fixture list you know there's there's Liverpool in there there's Chelsea in there of course there's Man City in there as well. So we're really going to be into the into the meat of it by the time he gets back. And we're going to need that. You know, them tight games, that's where you need them feet, in the box where he, he can go around players. And Trossard gives you a little bit of that, but he doesn't give you all of it. I mean, Jesus is like a little ball. Were you surprised when we signed him? And this is, a, this is a question because I knew how good he was at dribbling. I knew roughly what he was going to be as a goal scorer what i didn't realize was how strong he was did you did you have any idea how strong he was like we can literally play direct with him as a target man
2: yeah i i actually i watched him pretty close at city so i was i was pretty sure i knew what we were getting i will say the strength did surprise me a little bit um You know, because he's not the tallest guy or anything. But, yeah, he's very – he's a really versatile forward. Um, And I I think maybe
0: because because we go – maybe because Man City go wide a lot and they don't cross the ball and they, you know, other than against us, apparently they don't really go long with it very often. You didn't really get a chance to see that side of the game with him. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. I mean, I don't think he suddenly got stronger just by moving to London, but it was definitely a part of his game that I, that I didn't see before. And it's a really useful option to be able to do that.
2: Well, I I think, uh, you know, another part of it is, is, is kind of like uh, how Eddie was right. So Eddie was coming into a lot of games uh, last season, but, you know, just getting 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And, and i don't think anybody really thought he was great you know and uh, i think it's similar with with jesus in that uh as opposed to being like you know just a, a purely second half sub or getting cup games you know he he became the main man pretty much nailed well unnailed on starter you know for us and I, I think that does a lot for a player's confidence and uh you know their their form you know, being there, being consistent, getting consistent minutes, knowing exactly where you are in the team. I think it uh, it plays a, a big part.
0: I think that plays down Jesus' role at Man City a little bit though, because he did play nearly every game. Like he, he played yeah. both legs against Real Madrid and stuff. He was one of the most important players, but they did play him from wide. And we were talking earlier on about Arteta and Guardiola and the difference between them in their management styles, and I think Jesus was basically like I was saying with Mbappe, he was told this is where you, this is where you are when the ball's here. This is the run you make, and it, it almost looked like the shackles were taken off when he came to us because all of a sudden he was allowed to be in the middle, he was allowed to move left if he wanted, he was allowed to take players on, he didn't have to look immediately for that pass. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that is fair. Actually, um, you know, we had just touched about this not not very long ago, but. Um, you know, saying that uh, city feels a little more pre-planned and mechanical, where Arsenal seems like they uh, they express themselves a lot more, especially in the uh, the attacking third. And maybe that is what it is. You know, just Jesus being able to to go off his, his his instinct and play how he wants to, as opposed to you know being told every run he's going to make. You know, or exactly where he needs to be. Yeah, I, I think that. I think that's pretty much that's
0: pretty much it. He he just he's getting a bit of freedom now that he didn't have before. And um, what well, I say now before before the uh, World Cup break, obviously, right. And I think he was just he was loving it. And I I'm with you. I can't wait to see him come back because I really think there could be fireworks. I think sparks could really fly when he gets back because we're like I said, we're in as good a position now as we were before the World Cup. In fact, we're in a better position because there's another eleven games gone. Since then, and for him to be coming back into a team in this shape, I didn't think they'd be there. You didn't think they'd be there. I, I, I doubt even. I mean, they've obviously got a lot of self belief, but I'm not sure that they believe that that they would have been there without you know without Jesus. So it's it's definitely going to be interesting. Touching on Man City real quick, we'll just have a, a quick chat about a competition that we're not in the Arsene Wenger Memorial Trophy, which is also known as the FA Cup. <laughs> it's um. Man City went through and Tottenham went out. Can I have a quick laugh for that? (laughs) (laughs) They went out. So, and I mean, as fun as it is to see them go out, especially to a championship side, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of hoping that it would be Spurs-Man City in the next round. Um, And then with them being out, um, I was hoping they were going to get Man United, but they got Burnley at home. Um, It is another game. Pep doesn't. It, Pep rotates, but he doesn't throw a reserve team out against anybody. That's going to help us write another uh, another game thrown into that city schedule.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, obviously I'm not pulling for them to win the FA Cup or anything, but I think the longer they stay in the, in the competition, it, it can only be good for us. Um, you know, just having to juggle to, you know, multiple competitions, of course, they're going to get a little more tired or they're always going to have their – their uh uh eyesight set on you know the the next game and and by the way I mean I don't know if you've been following the the championship too much but but Burnley is is uh they're running away with it in the championship I mean they're pretty much a certainty to get promoted so yeah know, that's,
0: actually that's too- there's actually two championship sides um, through the quarterfinal in the FA Cup because you've got Blackburn in there as well. Who are also on a bit of a charge, and I've got a couple of buddies who are uh, who are big Blackburn fans, and uh, they were actually all celebrating and going crazy in the WhatsApp. They all wanted United though in the next round. They were a bit disappointed because they got uh, they got Sheffield United, so they were a bit disappointed for that. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're also on a tear. Um, so that's 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 interesting that they've got them and companies doing a. Doing a pretty good job there at Burnley, you have to say. I'm, I'm, a, I haven't seen, I haven't really seen any Championship football this year, but I would assume that it's probably a bit of a departure from what they were with Vincent Company in <laughs> charge. He Company doesn't so strike me as the sort of guy that uh, throws Ashley Barnes up front and brings on Chris Wood with ten minutes to go, and uh, has two massive centre halves lumping it up. Have you, have you actually seen him play?
2: I've not. No, I mean. I'd, I'd like to, I've heard really good things. They've got a 12 point lead right now, uh, which is, you know, huge, um, but no, I've, I've not caught them live. So. No, and I like
0: the championship too. It's a fun league. Don't get me wrong. I don't ever want to see us playing it, but it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun league to fun league to watch that because it's completely nuts. So yeah, they're doing a, they're doing a good job there in running away with that. Mm-hmm. So anything else you, uh, anything else you want to bring up before we, before we clock off?
2: Um, one thing that I did find curious and I I hate to bring up the Everton game again, but uh, I I just thought it'd be worth touching on for a minute or two is, um, I noticed, uh, you know, Smith Rowe, when he came on today,
0: um, went straight to the left.
2: Yeah. He went straight to the left and they kept Vieira in that left eight role. And I just find that kind of interesting. I wonder if, um, I mean, do you see that being.
0: I uh, honestly, I don't know that I read too much into that other than, it was a sub for the last 10 minutes in a game that was already won. Vieira yeah, was true. already on in that position. So, I mean, he did move Martinelli to the right and, uh, and have Smith-Rowe on the left. I I just wonder if that's a case of Smith-Rowe's coming back from that injury. Do you really want him in the centre of the park for one? Um, yeah. But secondly, put him in the familiar position. Do you know what I mean? Like, is his first 10 minutes of, of first-team football? I know he played 45 minutes for the under 23s the other night or the under 21s. Um, but I think, it honestly, I think I don't read anything into it. I think it's more of a case of throw him in his familiar position um, and don't put him in the middle of the park against them free monsters.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's actually a good point. I think his future is going to be in, in the center. Um, you know, he, he's done really well there. His, his Huddersfield loan. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, starting with that Chelsea game on boxing day, um you know, where he, he came in in the 10 and was really good for us. Um. But uh, but it, it's great that he's, you know, we've got that versatility. I, I just found that interesting though. And But yeah, you're probably right. It was more just about getting some minutes in the legs without shifting too much around was probably the case.
0: Yeah, and I think, again, this goes back to being excited about watching the Europa League games because I think that's where you're going to see more stuff like that because you're going to be able to see it from the start. Yeah, The only thing that bothers me with these games is, uh, and I think everybody's brought this up at some point or another, but you're putting what is essentially the second team out there. So expecting anyone to stand out when they're being thrown in with players that perhaps aren't familiar and don't play every week, it's tough. It's a lot harder to stand out when you're full of second team players than, say, one player coming out. Let's say Xhaka does come out and the ESR comes into that, into that role mm-hmm. and he's playing alongside the first team. It's going to be an easier transition. Yeah. All of a sudden, seven players coming in and being thrown in together. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. And that's why I really don't see, um, like, wholesale changes for the for the Europa League either. I can see a maybe sweep, but excuse me, swapping out two, three guys. Um, but I don't think it's going to be wholesale changes. I imagine it would be a bit like tonight where he uses all five subs and maybe a little earlier. But I think from the start, it's not going to be some drastic, you know, like we're not going to see... Uh, Tomiyasu uh holding Kivior and Tierney as a back line or anything like that. But you brought up a good point. I am gonna be curious to see if uh if Turner goes in there. That'll be one to watch.
0: Yeah, I think honestly, I think he will. Um I think he's an international goalkeeper. He needs mm-hmm. games. He can't come here and not play any games. He's looked good when he's when he's come in. He's got he's got better every time he's played. So I, I, I do think Turner will will play. I just wonder in terms of changing the side and all that, I'm just wondering if Arteta is going to get a little bit, a little bit happier to use them subs a little bit earlier, and maybe that is the answer. Because I'm with you; I don't see him change, making eleven changes and and saying to hell with it in the Europa League. But I do wonder if just in the game before, if maybe you take a couple more off early do you know what I mean Bournemouth if you you take you take Pate and Jorginho you take one of them off at half time and maybe you do bring off a little bit earlier and maybe you do bring Jacques off after 70 minutes because that you know that's that's kind of a little rest too if you're only playing 260 minutes instead of instead of uh, 190 you know
2: yeah I mean to be honest I was um I was pretty surprised, but also uh, ecstatic at the changes he made. Uh, if I've had one criticism of of Arteta, I think it's been some of his in game management has always, um, you know, he just leaves it really late for subs and, and never takes advantage of all all of them that he has, even if we're we've got a, a bit of a comfortable lead. So it seems- there's
0: there's no excuse for it now, though, right? I mean, you remember right, that yeah. game at Brighton earlier in the season when we were comfortable. He made he made what three or four subs. And all of a sudden, it all went tits up.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And after
0: that, you're like, well, you're doing that again. I just wonder now, we read that bench out earlier on. And as uh-huh. pastor was saying, we've got Jesus to come back in, which means that one of Trossard or Martinelli is probably going to get added to that murderer's row on the yep. bench. So Holden will probably come out and, and one of them's going to go on it. So there's no excuse not to be reaching for them subs on the hour mark on, on 65 minutes, you know?
2: Yeah, and this is this is... Firmly, all Arteta's guys now too. You know, um, not like before where he was, you know, stuck with some players that maybe he didn't like or didn't rate. But I mean, you can technically... sign
0: because Pepe's name if you want.
2: <laughs> yeah, you might... I, I
0: agree. And, and also, yeah. little, little shout out to uh, Granite who I thought had an excellent game tonight. I thought he was back to uh, back to what we've seen before. And I, I think what you uh, what you do lose with him going forward you definitely gain at the back end because there was a couple of times, there were two giveaways in the first half, one by Zinchenko and one by Jorginho that could oh. have put us in real trouble. And it was Xhaka that came back both times and intercepted. One, he gave away a corner, one, he won the ball back and passed it inside to Jorginho. So I think um, that's what you miss. You know, it, it, it's it's one of them things you talk about, well, we'll, we'll just swap Vieira in for Xhaka. And when he's going through on goal like that, he'll be able to cut it back to someone. Well, yeah. that's no good if you've already conceded two goals because he's not back in the right position where, where Xhaka was. So I, I thought tonight, I want to, you know, there's been a little bit of criticism thrown at him over the last few weeks. And I, I just thought Kudos was uh, owed tonight because I thought he was exceptional with his passing and defensively he was so switched on.
2: Yeah, definitely more early season form from Xhaka. I thought he was very good too.
0: Yeah. Just before we leave, Juz, um, let's do the answer to the who am I game. I'm sure everyone's. Hanging on to see if you can guess who it was. Passer sent me his guess, by the way. He guessed his IA ranking and that's that's not right. So, who am I? I started my career at Arsenal without playing a single league game. I went on loan to Huddersfield, Reading, Bolton, Millwall, Sheffield Wednesday, MK Dons. I then moved permanently to Wolves, then on to Bournemouth where I played 63 league games. Back to Wolves, Stoke City, Bristol City, Trabs on Spore, Millwall and finished with one game. FC Hatter, just who am I?
2: Man, Gav, yeah, I really, I really don't have any idea. Um, <laughs> I knew I was going to get you with this one. Is it uh, Lansbury, Henry Lansbury?
0: No, it was Bennicophobe Ah,
2: oh.
0: yeah, I knew that's one that everybody was going uh, to. I don't think you're on your own. I think a lot of people are going to have the same reaction to that. They're not going to be like, God damn it, how did I not get that?
2: Yeah, it seems obvious now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but there's your answer. Yeah. Well, like, like I said you, the only ones really, it's the wolves and the and the the Bournemouth spells that kind of uh, spring to mind. The rest of them are almost like things to throw you off the scent. When I, I, <laughs> my brothers going answer me Millwall. I don't remember us having anyone that played for Millwall. Was it Jimmy Carter? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So okay, All right, mate. Well, I want to throw that uh, want to throw that quiz in there. So we'll finish that off, and uh, we'll be back next week to. Do the post game Bournemouth show and look forward to sporting Lisbon. So, good night, everybody. Good night, Jazz.
2: Good night.